Hi everyone, this is Sam, that girl with the curls bling, <laughs> blinging, bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. Uh, this is uh, Tanika Stotts, who I met at em- Emerald City Comic Con. I apologize, I can normally speak uh, regularly and well, but uh, seemingly not today. Uh, anyway, this is uh, Tanika Stotts. Met her at uh, Emerald City Comic Con, and we hit it off really well, and she was just an amazing, delightful person to talk to. Um, we talk about pretty much everything, uh, all the projects she's involved with, uh, her um, experience as a writer and an editor, uh, and uh, just, you know, I think we talked about gargoyles at one point, too. It's <laughs> so we pretty much, I think, hit everything you could possibly try to talk about, um, as well as the ins and outs of the comic book industry. So I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. I think you will be entertained by this episode, and I think you will enjoy this episode, but I'm biased, so what do I know? Uh, anyway, yes, uh, pleased to enjoy episode 65 of That Girl with the Curls with Tanika Stotts. But it's great. <laughs> Whoa, no. Where are you flying in from? Uh, well, I got back from Dallas yesterday, so oh. it's still uh, it's still sticking with me. <laughs> I'm still probably I'm probably gonna be in the same boat as you as soon as I hit TCAF and back to Vancouver. <laughs> Just be like, oh my god, I don't want to do anything right now. Yes, seriously, stop. <laughs> Oh man, I had to go into work. I was I was so planning to not go into work today, but yeah. oh, the computer that I had checked out from work for the Dallas trip I went on yeah. was uh, it was poorly uh, supplied. I had no charger, and when I opened it to check email, I had ten minutes of battery life on it. Yikes! Right. <laughs> My boss and I are just sitting there like, well, now we have one computer t- between the two of us. So. Uh, it's like, no one's going to panic. I'm not panicking. Are you panicking? Not me. <laughs> I have been on said business trip just like that. Um, luckily, I was just like, I took notes with my phone. <laughs> <laughs> technology is amazing. Exactly. <laughs> Until it craps out on you and then you're like, I hate technology. It's so stupid. Flush it down a toilet. Oh yeah, my God. No, that's how everyone feels. Yeah, it's like, set it on fire. I don't care. <laughs> Did this technology betray me? Well, it's the last time. Why don't we just go back to the colonial days? That worked <laughs> out, didn't it? Yeah, seriously. Let me go get some stove to carve it to. <laughs> There was this, um, I think it was like this t-shirt, or it could be just a meme that was going around where it's like, uh, it's like, I'm a woman, asking me to go back in history means I will never, I will, nothing will work out for me. So the yeah. answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm never all like, back in the good old days, no. Yeah. No. Those days were good to anyone, okay? Fashion may have been okay. But I like the pants I'm wearing now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The only way I'm going back in time is if it's back in time in some alternate history where things worked out for people like, you know, you and I. (laughs) 
like, you know, when women had more rights or something or, or you know, we didn't have so many, you know, race issues or something like that. I don't know. Like, Tanika? Yeah, I'm right here. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Somebody was talking about anti-blackness and whitewashed out, and I was like, what is going on? Oh, already? We got into that? <laughs> yeah, this is my fault for checking Twitter for a moment, so I'm going to close this now. No one can bother me, because that was just bad. Oh, I was so worried. Like, oh shit, did I say something wrong? No, you're perfectly fine. I totally just got disconnected from the convo by a very alarming title. Oh, no. Sorry. That's okay. No, it's like, who said what on Twitter this time? Yeah, I know. It's like, who else is going to put their foot down their throat and out their butthole? (laughs) (laughs) It's both physically impossible (laughs) and yet would be amazing to see. Uh, Now we're all suddenly Stretch Armstrong. Yeah. Oh, my God. It would be amazing. Like, look at how far he stretches. (laughs) Be the best, like, contortionist move, I think, ever. I would that burlesque show. Yeah, Cirque du Soleil's like, you, you're in. <laughs> You've got a forever job, dude. Oh my god. They're like, me? What? Oh, I've always wanted to shove my own foot down my entire throat and out my butt. Yeah! <laughs> Thank god my like, dream can come true. Numbers. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I want to meet that kid. It's like, living the dream. <laughs> It's like, well, of, of dreams, there are those types, I guess. Yeah, I think that's Gamergate's, like, in-game goal right there. <laughs> I'm always I'm always curious about, um, like, circus. I, I, I guess they call themselves freaks still. Like, they, they still label themselves that. But sideshow acts, you know? It's yeah. Like, I mean, unless you have the physical, uh, I mean, you know, what a lot of people would call a deformity or, or whatever. What denotes it anymore? I mean, you yeah. know, we embrace pretty much all deformities that are our bodies now since we are all flawed human beings. Exactly. We can't really have, like, the maudlin act of this person doesn't exist because we can usually find someone with the same disease or uh, trait, characteristic trait within their body now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, can that even be a thing anymore? So now it's, you know, more people who are making their bodies into oddities, like injecting. Mm-hmm purple dye into their eyelids oh my god or no no into their eyeball yo i saw that slayer yeah i'm like so that's how you're an oddity now like you have to make yourself an oddity you can't just be born an oddity yeah exactly it's it's like it's it's not even it's not deformity anymore it's like a physical attribute yeah. Uh, at this point, where we don't have our PT Barnum anymore, who's like, "Hey, you, you're in the show now, and yeah. I'm gonna exploit the crap out of you." I uh, mean, like the tattooed man, for instance, the mm-hmm. Fred Gintz guy, who's like completely tattooed, from, yeah, like, face with the skull and everything to his chest and everything like that. Mm-hmm. He's he's a fashion model. So <laughs> I'm like, just saying, guys. It just takes all kinds now. I mean, we're, we're basically at the point where we're like, whatever, just be you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was reading this really fascinating book about um, tattooed ladies. Uh, from, like, the history of tattooing up to, like, when women started doing it as a form of expression and, you know, body augmentation and all that stuff. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Like how the the world of the Sideshow Act actually empowered a lot of women. Um, Yes. Ladies. That's right. It's like, you grow your beard. Yeah, well, women have had thyroid problems since as long as thyroids have existed in our, you know, bodies. Well, thyroids have only been around for a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah, so... (laughs) You know, growing beards is 
Hertz is actually not abnormal for a lot of women who have overactive thyroids and all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that wasn't really a really big kind of, whoa, bearded lady. <laughs> also, you know, if you keep shaving your face, you're going to get a beard one of these days. <laughs> it's going to grow back thick one one of these times, man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I pluck my face and I'm still like, oh, that hair is really thick. <laughs> uh, maybe I should stop. I know I'm going to keep plucking, but I know I should stop. But I can't stand that hair. Uh, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm super pale. You, you, you saw me at Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> super pale, and I have very dark natural hair color. So when that pops up on like my chin or something, I'm like, no, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is this fresh hell? Oh my god! Even right. though I asked my girlfriend, and she's like, "I literally can't see whatever it is you're talking about." You're like, "No, I'm it's like, right there. It's there. I can feel it. I can rub my thumb over it. See, it's right there." It's just like, nope, nothing. It's like you're crazy, Daniga. Pretty much, and I kind of am. I think we all have our brand of crazy. Yeah, yeah. If you're lucky enough in this world to find that person who likes your brand of crazy, then you're a very crazy person. Couple people together. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. Then you are the greatest couple, and we should lodge you in song. <laughs> <laughs> I love. There we go. Um, so, uh, we're actually, we've technically started at this point. Yeah. But, uh, Tanika Stotts, welcome to That Girl with the Curls. Yay! Yay! That Girl with the Curls is awesome. <laughs> yes, I, I particularly like it. <laughs> it's my own brand. It's uh, a very good brand. I love the name of the podcast. So, oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I figured my one physical attribute that everyone remembers like, should exploit that for all it's worth. Absolutely. <laughs> I I exploit my afro every day. There we go. It's natural. It's there. It's the way I like to keep my hair. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Be proud. Yeah. Girls are awesome. I, uh, when I was younger, I completely chopped off my hair, uh, cause I was just tired of having it so long. <laughs> and, I have done the bald. Uh, I've full, uh, I think I had just seen G.I. Jane, <laughs> I buzzed all my hair off. Yeah. And I was just like, this feels very windy. <laughs> I, I didn't go that far. I cut it off pretty short for, for what I was used to, like, a, a, a probably about to mid-ear. Um, but then I, d- I, being a tomboy, did not understand how hair works, um, or like, you know, how to take care of it or do anything with it. Uh, I wanted, my sister has very stock straight hair, uh, naturally. So I was like, that'll, that'll happen, right? Like, nope, you will. Uh, I had my own version of the white Afro for a couple of years. Nice. <laughs> You gotta give it up to those white afros. They're pretty cute. <laughs> we, we try, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Don't try that hard enough. I just, <laughs> I just remember watching a lot of seventies television because yes. from like Nick at Night or whatever, and you just see like those white guys with those froze, and you're like, dude, what is going on? That's how so- are you that guy? <laughs> I think was that seventies show? Did that have white afros? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think Danny Masterson, like okay. his, his character. I forget what his name was. I remember the actor. Can't remember the name. Like, but yeah, he had the nice curly white boy fro, uh, fro going on. So. Yes, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> so he was rocking it. He did pretty good on it. <laughs> Those aviators. Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah, I went to go Google a picture of him because I can do that. We're on a podcast. What? So I went to go check out his face and I was like, yep, you're that guy that I remember. <laughs> oh 
It's like, well, I remember that show fondly at times. <laughs> I didn't get to watch a whole lot of that 70s show. I don't really remember what year it kind of came on, but I think I might have been in college or the end of high school, so mm-hmm. it wasn't one of those ones that was really on my radar. Yeah. no, I, I still remember when they tried to, because when it got popular, then they tried to do that 80s show, and that did not work out well. <laughs> oh, okay, so... It aired in 1998, which Ooh. was me in high school. Okay. And then in college. So, yeah, that's why I missed there it. There you go. Yeah, it's funny the things that you miss when you're in that particular, you know, stage of higher learning. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I think I watched more Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Nice. Uh, the repeated episodes, A Different World, mm-hmm. and, oh, a lot of cartoons. Oh, my God. Usually, so like, gargoyles. Yes. And, um... <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I have to tape my shows, Mom. You can't mess up the VCR or I'll miss it. I um, need to know what Goliath is doing. <laughs> I need to know how the crappy Avalon series is going to be crappier even more. Um, <laughs> They're journeying to all the countries and finding other gargoyles. They're not the last. Oh, man, that show took the pooch and just threw it out a window sometimes. I didn't uh, mind it at that point, but I mean, because when they started going, like, full Shakespeare as well, I was kind of, like, into it. Yeah. My <laughs> girlfriend is highly addicted to Gargoyles. I mm. think I've watched it twice since we've been together, because uh, she'll go on a spree where she'll watch every episode all over again. Nice. And while I, I can watch, like, the beginning half, I cannot watch that second half at all. <laughs> Did you, uh, did they include, like, the Goliath Chronicles on there? The, the, I, I don't know how far they've gotten in, because there was the Goliath Chronicles that ended the whole thing. It was, like, that crappy ABC version of the show. I never saw it, and I never will. Don't. You'll save yourself a lot of time <laughs> and effort. I, I think they're trying to make it into a comic or something now, but, hmm. like, I don't know how that's going, but... It existed. It that did. was the thing. It was at least on TV, so I had something to watch because it was well before the time of computer shows. And yeah, like that. I could just surf on YouTube and be like, "Hmm, what channel do I want to watch?" Or let me go watch some hilarious vines all day. Oh my god, I can just I can end a whole night just watching YouTube videos and right? often for like reviews that I've seen like maybe three or four times, but they're just so damn entertaining. <laughs> I seriously have, like, three YouTube shows I seriously have to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sorted Food Boys from the UK are, okay. like, hilarious, and I love them to death. Mm-hmm. Um, Fail Army, because <laughs> why not? I mean, I'm a terrible human being, I guess. And the last one is, um, there's this person by the name of Heart, mm-hmm. and uh, they have this little heartbeat show that they do, and it's really cute. Aww. And they just pretty much have like little episodes they do uh, every now and then. I just love them. Yeah. And let's players, I always throw in let's players. Yeah, I, I, I assume then you're a gamer, or do you just like to watch gamers? <laughs> uh no, I'm a huge avid gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've pretty much owned every console I can think of. I started with the Commodore computer, Sweet. and I I was very very amazing at math blasters when I was a little girl, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I moved up to a Macintosh and played uh, Arthur and the Bernstein Bear games. Oh yeah, my god, those are, those are hot hits on Mac. And then um, <laughs> I moved from there to like my Super Nintendo, my mm-hmm. Sega CD, 
Sega Genesis. I had a Sega Saturn at one point in time. Wow. Um, I used to watch Laserdisc movies, anime all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm very old, so I kind of went through it all. Uh, my favorite game is kind of um, Shining Force 2, which mm-hmm. is a strategic RPG for Sega that okay. I will uh, sometimes break out a ROM for and play again. So, yeah, and I currently have all the systems now, and I, I like to dive into them. But currently, Steam is kind of like having a lot of games available for it. Mm-hmm. So I play more on my Steam box and less on my consoles these days. Yeah, I uh, there's a there's an old picture of me that my mom still has. I was like maybe two, and we had a Tandy. And oh. So it's like me wearing my father's oh. little, uh, he had a Greek fisherman's hat he had put on top of my head, and I had my uh, pacifier <laughs> And I'm just Aww. tapping away on a little Tandy keyboard. and like. Man, speaking of Tandy, I had, like, I worked for a brief time at an EB Games. Mm-hmm. That's Electronic Boutique. It don't <laughs> exist anymore. But um, it was a game store, and I got, I scored a Neo Geo Pocket from them once. Uh-huh. That somebody had traded in. Man, I played the hell out of some some games on that thing it was a lot of fun like having handhelds has kind of like changed my life my PSP <laughs> for the better life. or for the worse for the worse because <laughs> then I have like my free time is either sucked up by my cell phone or it's sucked up by a handheld <laughs> and I can't really say either have ever really served a great purpose but they've always been there for me on really long road trips that I think that's the most important thing with the uh, with all the traveling people do, I mean, like, I listen to a ton of podcasts because of my commute to work uh, yeah. and back, so I'm always entertained, at least. I'm not lacking for it. Yeah, no. It does make me miss, um, I used to listen to the radio a lot. I know people were <laughs> like, what the hell is a radio? A and radio? Like, <laughs> what is radio? <laughs> I know. People have syndicated stations, and they do commercial cues in between so that they can... <laughs> product play some bs so that they can stay on the air oh um, you mean youtube yeah exactly <laughs> um but i kind of miss it sometimes because mm-hmm. i'll be in the car and i have no idea what a good station is anymore where yeah. i actually live so um, if i don't remember the cord for my phone i'm kind of like well, what the hell do i listen to in the car <laughs> i guess i could listen to nothing that's just a little awkward. I could I could hum to myself, I suppose. And <laughs> I could make my own musical. That's what I'll do. Yeah, so I'll, I'll push buttons on my radio console. Yeah. I'll land on something occasionally, and I'll be like, this is this is cool, this is, this is the music you guys are into now. No, I'm just kidding. You're just running around like, is this what kids are listening to right now? Am I cool yet? Am I cool yeah. now? <laughs> this isn't a Pandora station, is it? <laughs> So, yeah. The radio stations, yeah, around where I live, because uh, I'm, I'm still in my kind of hometown area, so I remember some of the old stations, but they're they're not playing the right music that they used to, <laughs> so, because oh. I really love oldies music, I just grew yeah. up with it, so the, the one oldies station that seems to be left over is sort of doing oldies, but then they, like, throw in some 80s and 90s, I'm like, that's wrong! That's, that's, that's not, not even old! Like damn it! Like when I heard Nirvana on what they called what? like classic rock or something what? like that. Oh, what? That's like an existential crisis right there. That made me feel really old because I'm just like, um, that's like yesterday. 
I, th- I think my cousin ran into the same thing when the, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers were on a classic why? rock station. Why the Red Hot Chili No! These, oh gosh, this is a sign of the times. Sign of the times. Tanika, this is an intervention. Uh, what we're gonna... These days are over. <laughs> what we have to conclude here is that we're all getting older, and the inevitability of death is just coming upon us. I'm okay with that. I mean, you know what? I'm going to leave some really cool queer comics behind, and uh, that'll that'll be my marker in life, I guess. Speaking of which, well done. Thank you. <laughs> we should transition into comics, which is what we're here to talk about for the yeah! most part. <laughs> we can Sorry talk about other the, stuff. Sorry for the 20 minutes we just wanted to commiserate and yes. know one another and we now did. we're there we wanted to build the friendship on a solid foundation and then yes. <laughs> rock of ages <laughs> <laughs> and then we transition into the other things we'll only build and build and build yes. <laughs> build ein empire that's how you do it Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, just uh, in 20 minutes in, let's get some background on this. Uh, I met you at Emerald City Comic Con uh, this year yes. and uh, told you how much I love Full Circle, which still is true. <laughs> thank, you, thank you so very much. We're so I was so honored to meet a Full Circle fan. Uh, not my first, but definitely one of the more memorable ones because that was one of my first cons where I was not with Christiane. Mm-hmm. And definitely uh, Genway not being around, I don't feel... Uh, a lot of people know about the comic mm-hmm. uh, who come up to talk to me about it openly. But it's really cool when they do because I like talking about comics. No, it's, yeah, it's really great. I mean, we can just kind of start from there at least uh, because I'm a big, f- I-, I like winged people. I don't know why. I'm like, it's this weird <laughs> bird thing. <laughs> like, But just looking at your comic and uh, it's just, you know, uh, it's so f- it feels fully realized, all right. Like the the world seems well intact without you having yeah. to do like a tremendous amount of explaining. Yes, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> so, like, what was the um, I guess what was the impetus behind creating that comic? Okay, so first off, uh, the comic was started by Christiane Goudreau. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the artist, and also um, a best friend of hers while they were in high school and while she continued her life into SCAD, mm-hmm. um, which is the Savannah School for Art and Design, um, she had this world going on where they were pretty much an RP session, her and a good friend. Mm-hmm. I did not know Christiane until well after SCAD and well after she was um, an established artist. And what had happened was is we were hanging out and she had this book that she keeps with her full of her characters, the designs, these ideas that she had, Mm -hmm. Uh, and pretty much Marty and Elsa were in this book, and I was flipping through it and checking it out, and I was like, this is really cool, these character designs are really neat, Um, why haven't you done anything with them? (laughs) And she's like, oh, well, you know, I did like this RP thing ages ago, you know, (laughs) webcomic off RP, who would want to read that, and Pretty much, I, I just have these characters now that I really love, but I have no idea what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, um, do you mind leaving your book here with me? I just want to keep, like, looking through it, and uh, maybe if I, like, jut out, like, an outline or something for you, do you maybe want to rock on it and do, like, a short comic? And Christina left the book with me, and... Um, I, like, went on, like, a 24-hour, like, writing spree. <laughs> and when she came back, I had the entire first book outlined. Oh, my God. Wow. And I was like, so, this might have got a little bit bigger. 
I might have changed character roles a lot. I might have changed the story completely from what you guys originally had. Mm -hmm. Um, Here, check this out and let me know what you think. And she reads, she sits on my couch, she reads everything, and she's like, I love this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, cool. (laughs) In my, like, little tiny apartment. And um, she's like, "Uh, this would be really cool. Um, And I'm like, okay. Well, let me know if you don't agree with anything, Mm -hmm. and I won't script it. And she didn't disagree to anything, so I started scripting. And while I was in the process of scripting and her getting, like, the first opening together, we actually moved in together. Oh, cool. Me, my girlfriend, Christy, you. Oh, you're all just one big happy family. Yeah, we're a big happy comics family. (laughs) Woohoo! That is the best type of family. So, um... The Elayani, which are the winged people that you love so much, yes. <laughs> um, I took them and I wanted to derive from current cultures and unknown cultures that I knew of in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, uh, I have a lot of mixed, mixed family members in my life, including uh, a half Filipino, half black mm-hmm. uh, nephew. I have a half Thai, half black nephew. I've got um, a half. <laughs> I've learned a lot of <laughs> a lot about culture and love thanks to uh, my enormous amount of brothers. I have seven. They're oh wow! <laughs> um, they've had a lot of children, and there's a nine year age gap between me and my like youngest brother. Mm-hmm. So by the time like I was twelve, they were all having kids. Wow! And now those kids are all bigger, and I like to see them referenced in my work because they inspire me no that's so amazing like when we were when we were talking at at emerald city like you mentioned that you were trying to come because i love the the mesoamerican uh aesthetic that's there uh but then you were saying that you also were like pulling like you created your own language essentially like that makes sense (laughs) to you i I suppose i wanted the elayani to have their own conlang Mm -hmm. um i've talked uh at extents with this with uh creator Eve Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do their own story called Inhibit. Uh, they're very interested in conlangs and how they're formed. And pretty much what I had done is I did a, a big research on like Tagalog and other Pan Pacific Island tongues mm-hmm. and their formulations. And then I pretty much made my own with Christiane and then I had her script it font it and then I started putting it together as like a dialect and how it would work and the bridging and everything and then I was like no I'm not gonna go that far let's not do adjectives (laughs) because oh my gosh it's way involved and I can go only oh so far because it's just a webcomic you're like damn it Jim I'm not a linguist (laughs) (laughs) yeah I am not a linguist but one of my best friends is Ah. um and she uh she goes to, I think, UC Davis, or she just graduated, and she actually helped me with a few questions I had about mm-hmm. Conlang and its formulation to get to where I am with Eliani. That's so cool. I mean, it's just, it's like, well, then I just made up my own language. And, and just even the fact that you put the time into at least make it make sense, you know? Yeah. It's not just, like, random words, like, thrown out there, or, you know, how, you know, how a lot of people will often do that, like... Uh, I think like Game of Thrones where it's just, um, was it George R. R. Martin just kind of made up words and then they had to build a language around it when they put it on television. Yeah, I wasn't cool with that. And I thought like, you know, if I was going to have these people and they're Islanders, they're going to have made up a lot of their own 
isms, their their own culture, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, I'm surrounded by culture. I should be able to do this. <laughs> um, Got culture coming out my ears. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So um, I try to respectfully create my own because I feel like a lot of people crib off cultures that already exist when they make fantasy, mm-hmm. and I find I find that's a like a, that's a that's kind of a disservice to fantasy, like. Mm-hmm. Fantasy exists for the escapism, and it's supposed to have, like, luscious worlds kind of built into it that you're supposed to be engaging a reader with. Mm -hmm. So if you're only spending, like, two minutes to get something done where you can really sink yourself into it and not have to appropriate from other cultures, I feel that's then creating a full fantasy that is engaging and inviting to the reader. No, definitely. I mean, the, that's the whole purpose of fantasy is to take you out of reality. So if you yes. have if you have those same reference points, uh, then it's kind of like, well, then now I'm only going to see him as this. Like, it's 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 not going to help me in trying to imagine, like, this person doing this ridiculously out there thing if I think they belong to this particular culture. Exactly. And, and that's kind of like where I started forming a lot of the other characters that Christiane had never created before, like the entire ship uh, scenes. Those characters mm-hmm. are all new, except for Roddy. Roddy is still the snotty princess who I love. <laughs> she's not supposed to be called princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason behind that, and we get to discover that, and I really enjoy it. But creating characters like Gideon and Brixton and Saul and... It's, it's kind of just like the fun part of, again, fantasy and creating a world. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this inner world where we start, which is the Belai Islands, and then we're soon going to be exploring the outer world Yay. of the Belai Islands because, as we can see, the Belai Islands is about to get a lot of visitors. Yes, <laughs> they seem to be getting closer. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be getting a lot closer, and, and, and the shift of the story like the pacing that it's taking will be changing drastically as well as we go further into what will now be Elsa and Roddy's adventure, mm-hmm. even though we started out with Elsa and Marty. Mm-hmm. And is Marty going to continue to have influence, or is he going to go on his own little uh, hero's journey here? Marty is going to get split from the party for a little bit, and mm-hmm. whether he makes a and d save to get back in, <laughs> um, we don't really know, but <laughs> for right now... Um, He's definitely proving that he's already way more different than everyone else, and Mm -hmm. the wings are completely just, you know, one part of that. Uh, He is his own character, and he kind of has his own story. We get a glimpse of it slightly in the temple when he's talking to uh, Elsa and letting her know, hey, uh, maybe I wasn't having as much fun as you thought the entire time no. we were kids. And I love that that whole that whole uh, sequence because it's just like, yeah, when siblings are like going up against each other, it's like no one remembers the same thing the same way. Like my sister and I often have like opposing memories of a thing that happened to the two of us at the same time. Yes, exactly. And Growing up with a ton of siblings, for me, I ran into that often. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I even get which sibling I was with confused because, well, I'm getting older now. But also, um, they're they're my brothers, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm always expecting one of them to kind of be around. Yeah. Um, So I could take maybe a good shot in the dark sometimes. I think it was. You just (laughs) throw a dart at a board or something. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's one that talks to me more often all the others so mm-hmm. it's easier to put two and two together sometimes when I'm, I'm taking a trip down memory lane oh, true. but uh 
but definitely some of our disagreements, and we have had many. Mm. Um, they they get very not siblingish. <laughs> <laughs> No, my sister and I have gotten into arguments over the fact that we don't remember something right. Like, yeah. she's like, remember when you did that? I was like, I never did that. She's like, and then it just, you know, escalates into this, like, of course you did it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, why are we fighting again? Exactly. And that's, that's kind of like what I wanted to show with Marty and Elsa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than just the wings that make them different. Um, it's yeah. more than just the magic that makes them different. It's also just the way that they treat one another in life like she is a good sister and he is a good brother but right now they're at a point where they're growing into two different people Mm -hmm. and they aren't quite sure how to communicate like they kind of used to yeah no and uh again like i said it's it's just i enjoy this comic a lot and uh i'm happy to keep reading it and wherever you're gonna (laughs) wherever you're gonna go with it i'm cool (laughs) yeah uh well it's gonna be as you've seen uh, the scenery changes have been more often recent, mm-hmm. um, and those scenery changes are going to keep continuing Yay. because we're now reaching the climax for the first chapter. Uh, the first chapter was planned to be 45 pages. I think we're at like 48 right now total mm-hmm. uh, because we had a two-page spread that we threw in. We had one extra page. We want to have some more exposition and build up. Uh, Christiane has a full-time job at Dark Horse Comics. Okay. I have a full-time job just kind of like writing comics. Mm-hmm. But I, my writing obviously will always surmount or surpass her ability to draw the comic. So we're really happy that people are patient with the way that the pages are coming out. Mm-hmm. Because she has mouths to feed. Yeah. <laughs> Which are her own and her own lady. <laughs> um, so it's like I'm never going to force her or ask her to uh, push put more into the series at this time but like we're having fun and we're almost done now with the first chapter it's That's been cool. two years but we're <laughs> almost there well and, and what i've seen with a lot of web comics is this is kind of like par for the course i mean you you can only devote so much time to it but as long as it there's quality and you guys both love what you're doing it's yeah. only going to get better you know yeah and the addition of Genway helped a lot um because Jinwei is our colorist on Full Circle. Mm-hmm. And she also, Christiane has now moved out. <laughs> She's oh. gone. Uh, she is now with her lady. She's very happy. They've got a place together. Mm-hmm. And now Jinwei has moved in. Oh, so there we go. Now I have my colorist here. <laughs> and I can always, like, go and check on pages and see how they're doing and um, get an update as to the progress. And I've already been... I've had a two-year break, so I'm revisiting Chapter Mm 2 to make sure everything that I want to have happen next, because I feel I've leveled up as a writer, Mm. I want to make sure that shows um, in the next chapters going forward, that we have really good plot, and we have really good progress. So, that's my narrative focus right now. Yeah. Well, and I figured just when you need a new letterer, you could just make some room in the apartment, right? I know, right? (laughs) And then then I've learned how to flat now, so... There we go. Now I'm the the resident flatter, and and Christiane obviously is a production technician, so she has this all ready to go for print. Like, Mm -hmm. we've got it in CMYK, we've got, like, luscious, bold colors that are going to print really well. So it's going to be a lot of fun when we do finally have enough of the book available to be like, hey, people, maybe you want to buy a copy. Maybe we'll do a chapter faster next time. (laughs) So it'll make it more worth it. 
is the idea to uh, put it on Kickstarter uh, and do and kind of do what you've been doing with like with uh, the Beyond anthologies? Uh, yes and no. It depends on what Christiane would really like to do because mm-hmm. I very much so make her a part of like all of my decisions mm-hmm. uh, going forward with books. Um, do we have the cash flow to print a huge uh, compendium of like you know the comic or whatever? Probably not. So <laughs> we'd probably get some sort of like kickstarting where we have, like, a pre-order to get multiple chapters available. But uh, for right now, we're just going to stick it with Patreon, Mm -hmm. uh, continue printing mini-comics that are side stories of the main series, and uh, having those kind of available more, because uh, we're just going to keep doing what we do, and hopefully we get more of an audience, and Christiane might even one day go full-time comics. Oh, that would be cool. It would be a lot of, it would be a really cool freedom for her, Mm -hmm. um, because she's a really great artist. Um, I love working with her a lot. Uh, no, the expressions. Like, I, I'm always a big fan of expressions. Yeah. Uh, on characters' faces, like uh, her, uh, Christiane and Babs Tar, I think have some of my favorite, oh. like artistic, <laughs> like expressions. Where you're just like, oh, I love this face. <laughs> I will let her know that. That'll make her super happy. Oh. I do love her faces. That was another thing that drew me to her art before we started working together mm-hmm. she has a really good way of showing a character's mood in their face mm-hmm. uh that i wasn't really familiar with uh because she can do both like the chibiish faces and then like the regular faces and it's just really cute the way she pulls it off it's very endearing and i'm always kind of like entranced by how she will um transcribe my script into the page that you get to see do you do like a lot of description or do you kind of leave it up to her uh, a lot more to kind of i guess uh structure the page gosh now i have to like pull up a page really quick. <laughs> i think she kind of verbatim follows what i say a lot mm-hmm. um versus the other way around i see when i talk to her i'll put in like the captions i'll add in if um what else it looks like i give pretty deep descriptions versus when i work with certain other artists i don't do as deep descriptions Mm -hmm. but because we have so much uh consistency that we need to keep in this comic Mm. it's kind of necessary sometimes (laughs) yeah otherwise you end up missing the arm brace like you did on like a certain page and then (laughs) everybody calls everybody's talking about it in the comments and i'm like oh no we forgot an arm brace the world is ending jesus christ yeah, it's it's that nagging thing where every time you yeah. look at it, you can't unlook at it. Yeah, so it just gets added in when we do, like, the print version. We don't really fix the web version because there's kind of no point. Yeah. <laughs> but um, a lot of the ways that I do it now, I don't always do her page breaks. I let her do her own page breaks. So I'll do running script with maybe um, proposed page breaks. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of let her go from there. And she'll tell me if sometimes my page breaks, if she can, like, she'll be like, there's too much dialogue here, so I'm going to page break here instead, Mm -hmm. carry on the conversation on the next page. And I've also already changed where uh, when I'm scripting for people, depending on the size of the book, I'm like, oh, only X amount of words can fit per page. Mm -hmm. If I want it to be really readable and legible to the reader, like, I want them to have room to breathe and enjoy the art. So obviously, I've already changed in the way that I look at these things. Do so you do you find that? Some, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, uh, I was just going to say, do you find that you get like, is it overly ambitious, or you're just trying to get a lot of uh, exposition out? 
uh, when you're when you're kind of getting dialogue heavy, or just even in the um, the actual creation of the page itself, do you feel like you you're kind of like shooting for the moon to only back down a little bit on stuff? Um, no. What I feel is like I got too flowerly. Mm. I went on too long. Um, I could rein it back a little bit more. I can use slang here a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not writing in the same voice per se. But I was in drama for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, back in my high school to college life. Drama so, nerds, yay! Yeah, techies forever <laughs> and main stagers. Um, <laughs> I like to act out my scripts with her. Like, mm. I'll read the lines and the characters' voices so I can make sure I've got the faces and expressions down, um, even in their actions that I notate in the script. Uh, that being said, sometimes you can go on too long because like you're reading it as if it would be a line in a movie versus Mm -hmm. a line in a comic and those are two very separate things oh yeah (laughs) and because of that um because my brain was more cinematic versus just the cinematic version of a comic Mm -hmm. um it it definitely ran too long because i had had training in prose and training in script writing but not training in comic writing. Yeah. And I'm never going to go to school for comic writing. I think there's definitely a reason for it, but it's not something I feel I, I need to put upon myself at this time. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely like a, a, a learning curve situation as well. Yeah. Like I did a, I did a short for an anthology about the discography of Queen. Oh. Yeah. No, it was so nice. great. Yeah, I, I actually got to like dive deep into their uh, their their backlogs basically because I hadn't really you know heard a lot of the deep cuts. Oh wow! Because I didn't want to you know you don't want to do the ones that everyone knows you know because you're like yeah. someone's gonna do Bohemian Rhapsody or someone's gonna you know whatever. So I chose um, uh, the White Queen as it began. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good song. I was gonna be like either that or Fat Bottom Girls because I'm a fat bottom girl. There we go. <laughs> Although that that uh, almost music video section of Sex Criminals was like the best, <laughs> like um, it just it was like I I remember talking to Matt Fraction and just being like, did you get Brian May to sign off on it for the, like the the uh, uh, yeah. the trade paperback? He's like, no, but you know whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, like damn, but uh, but no, it was um it was a, it was an interesting learning curve, like just trying to learn how to tell a more concise story in eight pages. <laughs> Like, I can't even imagine, I'm, I mean, I'm working on it, but trying to do an even longer story, you know, and, and keep track of it and all that kind of stuff, but... Okay! Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, one day it'll happen. One day. Aww. It's like, you don't control the birds now, Sam. You will someday, but not now. So what anthology was this for? Uh, to ask a question of the questioner. Oh, God! This is most unorthodox! <laughs> Uh, it was for Red Stylo's, uh, Killer Queen anthology. Oh. Yeah. They just put out one that was the 27 Club, uh, which I got overly ambitious in my pitching process. I was, like, going way too big and just couldn't, couldn't narrow it down, but next time, next time. (laughs) I'm gonna go see, how long ago did this one come out? Uh, it was about two years ago, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go see if I can hunt. The, the, the alleyway of the internet see Ooh. if I can find a copy. I can send it to you. <gasps> what? Yeah! I'll see, I can send you I'll the totally, story. I'll totally buy a copy. Okay. Uh, I can still send you the story. You can, you, you can look a little bit it. at it and then buy it later. 
Okay, fine. <laughs> right? You gotta look for a little bit, and then you buy. <laughs> but uh, no, it was a great experience, and, and I'm trying to do it more, but, you know, with your full-time job, it's a bit harder. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I actually, I'm going. I've gone full time freelance now. Oh, really? From my full time job because I have enough hats to wear that I can make enough to kind of survive. But it was not easy. No. And, um, it started out in its own rocky little way, mm-hmm. and now I am, you know, kind of where I am, which is very happy. I've got a few book deals, and as you saw yesterday, maybe. Um, I released my next webcomic, which is, well, I released my next published comic, which is with Rosie Press. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. What, the oh. exclusive, what, what was it? No worries. Um, it's called Love and Sprockets. Um, I did it for Fresh Romance, issue eight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first part of our five-chapter series with them. And uh, it's available at uh, freshromance.com. Yay! Or is it Rosie Press? Let me check really quick. I think it's Rosie Press. I think it's Rosie Press, yeah. Yeah, it's rosiepress.com. Rosiepress.com, woohoo! And I work with the amazing Janelle Aslan and mm-hmm. Jinwei uh, Revu Elta, our, uh, our wonderful colorist, is the actual artist for this one. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, I mean this. Uh, there, you announced a couple of things too, because at em- Emerald City you're yeah. going to be editing um, Afar. Yes, that is correct. Which, because uh, I, I unfortunately couldn't get to the Image uh, Expo, I was sick that day. No worries. Uh, but yeah, when I saw the announcement, I was like, Layla Del Duca and you, and you know, and Kit Seaton, she's doing oh my God. art for the book. Mm-hmm. Kit is amazing it- and just full of heart and love these gals are really putting together kind of a spectacular story that i i've got another chapter for recently that i need oh, nice. to go work on no it, it i mean just the the promotional art alone looks amazing and gorgeous you're just yeah. like oh my god i want this in my life now <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a really fun journey i really love the characters you know too in botima and it's more than what meets the eye which is what really draws me to the story in a general and now it's a big YA book that's going to be out in November, mm-hmm. and I'm just really glad to be a part of the team and glad to be a part of the process because it's been both uh, it's been both eye opening and a lot of fun because I like working with Layla a lot. She seems like a really rad girl. <laughs> oh my god, she is totally is. Um, I I I have to say, her working on Shutter mm. is just amazing, and she's just. A sweetie pie, yeah. just in general in person. So her heart is there, and so is her mind because she's writing some really fun stuff. No, it's it's. Uh, I'm always excited by what Image is is putting out because I think the majority of the books that I buy right now are from Image. Nice, they're yeah. very forward thinking. They're very progressive. They really I've got are. friends who work there. Um, I am very happy with a lot of people who work there. Mm-hmm. They just seem to really have their their eyes on the prize and they're going in the direction a lot of companies are afraid to go in Mm -hmm. and it's really nice to see it out in the open and not just from an indie stance but from like a respectful just mainstream stance yeah i mean it's i think it's pretty safe to say that image stands up there pretty much with dc and marvel and i mean you could say the same for dark horse uh, in a lot of ways i mean I, i think we're getting to the point where the big two doesn't isn't really going to apply anymore um, I don't know. Dark Horse stumbles backwards for me every now and then. Mm-hmm. I will gladly admit that openly. Okay. They still release some books that leave me 
not really happy. And okay. they they could serve to really kind of focus on their brand line and really stop releasing some of the same old, same old sometimes. Mm-hmm. Which are, you know, it's like how many times does Hitler and a werewolf need to get punched out? <laughs> like, I'm just like... Not okay. enough. <laughs> I mean, like, you can keep doing that forever, but, you know... They kind of also have what I call same face syndrome, mm. which is when you hire like the same artists and writers like repeatedly, yeah. and that's kind of all you have. It's like, well, what else you got other than Hellboy? Like, I know you've got <laughs> other series, but I don't ever really see them promoted or kind of uplifted the same way. Yeah, and that's kind of sad. And I feel like that's one of their failings, and probably something that they're just dropping the ball on, mm-hmm. like in general from their marketing department. I mean, you had, uh, what was it, Faith Erin Hicks, didn't she get uh, an Eisner for the superhero girl book? Yeah, she did. And it felt like it was, like, not even lauded by the company. It's like, we got this award, or one of our artists got an award, or it was like, uh, should we do anything with it? No. Yeah, it was literally called The Adventures of Superhero Girl. Like, Mm. I had read it, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um... Where's the where's the love and accolades for this amazing book? Yeah, it's just it's just one of those little things. No, and that's a fair enough criticism. I mean, I I think sometimes I don't pay as much attention to those things, so I'm always glad when people can point that out to me. Uh, it, it gets to the point where you're just like, someone's gonna do something, and I'm gonna miss that piece of news. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a lot. It's really a lot. Like um. You can't really kind of just keep watching it forever. You kind of just got to move on and, and mm-hmm. sometimes wait till something happens, kind of jump on that instead. Because, you know, comics happens. It's happening every day. I can't <laughs> expect someone to be, like, on top of everything. There's there, That's just, like, asinine to think. Yeah. <laughs> someone would be like, oh, yeah, so I, like, live and breathe this comic. For me, it was just more like I have more of an interpersonal connection. I'm in the same city as that same comic book company. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it begs to differ. Would I ever want to work for that company? Why wouldn't I want to work for that company? Like, what's holding me back? What what do I foresee for myself instead of trying to work for said company? Oh, of course. No, I... It just goes there. (laughs) No, I was I was almost thinking about doing the um, the DC like writers workshop that they were oh, offering. Cool. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it, and then all the stuff with DC like DC News kind of just put a <sighs> big old poop in the pool. And it's like this is this is the company that I've invested a lot of my childhood into. You know, it was yeah. I was a Batman the animated series uh, nut, yeah. and then I got into the comics as I got older, and I want the movies to be good, but they're not. <laughs> like, except for the, I, lo- I love the Nolan Batman movies, but the current two that they have out, just, they didn't, they didn't ring the bell the way they should have. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think that's the most disappointing thing, is it's like, you have some of the best characters in superhero history, like, in, in my opinion. the most terrible movies. Right. They're very terrible. They're <laughs> all, they're, I, I, you know what, I don't ever really need a DC job, so they're really <laughs> terrible movies. They're very awesome characters, they're very awesome creations, but those movies really need, like, something 
I can't give it to them. I don't think anyone can. Mm-hmm. I think fire could possibly cleanse them. Oh, but good. But they would still exist. <laughs> but then the memory would still be there, so we'd have to burn <laughs> ourselves in order to extinguish the memories. Exactly. And I feel bad because I have a lot of friends who are really diehard uh, fans of like certain DC titles. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, it must suck to have the crappiest movies ever put out <laughs> on what is so far a continual basis that you have to now reference to your favorite comics and icons mm-hmm. only to have it really suck and you feel like you just got ripped off for like a $15 movie theater ticket. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, the, I think the, the last podcast was just me and my friend James just going on for three hours about Batman versus Superman. Oh, no. Just because we were, I mean, it was the same weekend it had come out, and I, I held off releasing it because it was just so fresh and raw. Yes. It was like, oh, I don't think this should be the, the first time anyone hears what we have to think about it. I usually listen to that movie Bob Guy on YouTube. Oh, yeah, Bob Chipman. Yeah, um, pretty hilarious. I don't like to piss my money away Mm -hmm. so instead i wait for his reviews watch it decide if i really want to go see it don't see it and feel okay with life there we go no i have the i have that same relationship with a couple of online reviewers and even a couple of websites or like my sensibility is pretty in line with them so if i'm seeing a similar you know like a review where it's like it blows or it's pretty awesome then i i kind of know i'm gonna think that way too yes it's like civil war is coming out i'm probably gonna like this movie they haven't really disappointed me thus far with the big like tentpole movies and everything so i was more disappointed in their ceo but i can't really like put that upon the mass amount of people who work to make movies happen Mm -hmm. you know because that Having worked in drama, having been part of a casting crew, that is so much more than some ignoramus giving Donald Trump money mm. for anything. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I'm still not going to go see it this year. I'm very disappointed. Mm-hmm. But, like, I know that a lot of people will go see it. I know that they're going to love it. I know that they're not going to love it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Hey, it exists now. It's out there in the world. Um, people got paid. Yeah. Hopefully. And it wasn't complete trite trash, because I definitely hold the Marvel movies uh, above the DC movies. And oh, I think that's yeah. a, a general opinion from a lot of people. You and most of the world at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh, you know, my, my friends and I, when we do discuss this, it's just like, it's, it's not a terrible thing if you follow the Marvel model, DC. It's not the end of the world. Just make a better movie. It just does. Right? It's like, why do you keep shooting yourself in the foot? It's like, do you want to pull a producers? Because that's the only (laughs) thing I can think of. Like, you're literally trying to tank your own entertainment company. Oh, we should look at the credits and see if there's someone named Bialystok and Bloom. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I knew it! I knew it! The secret investor! Yeah, it's like, and even trying to think about it just makes your, like, nose bleed and your brain bleed, and then you're yeah. dead. <laughs> I really love the things that I put out. Mm-hmm. I really like the, the, the stories that I get to tell. And if I really felt vindictive about 
the stories that I've put out into the world, maybe I would put out a DC movie. Maybe I would be like, all right, are you ready to suffer the pain train of two and a half hours? Yeah. Now enjoy the Revenant version of Full Circle. It comes with Leonardo DiCaprio and Bane yelling about pelts. <laughs> all the time. All the time. And Elsa has is no longer even in the movie. In fact, we've now whitewashed the entire cast in fact she's just a ghost off in the distance to be to remind the main character the man main character now we knew that the the story wouldn't work unless marty was the center so we've rewritten it for the movie elsa actually doesn't even exist she turns into a frog in the beginning of the first five minutes and then we see her again at the last 10 minutes for her singing song introduction and that's it perfect Done. Make that there, movie. There you go. We've now honored our entire fans <laughs> with this very amazing tribute to this very wonderful series we put our lifeblood into. The grim, dark version of Beyond. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you go tell Safay, and then <laughs> <laughs> I think um, he would divorce me, and um, no other books would happen at that. Oh no! You like just make it really convincing. Like no people love this (laughs) i mean we went on a we went on a limb not thinking anybody would really like post-apocalyptic really yeah um we figured maybe we'd get a few submissions Mm -hmm. we got a mountain of submissions and it was amazing because queer comics is well and alive regardless of if we're around to champion it it will find its way Mm -hmm. i mean there are tons of other anthologies already that have existed before us and there will be more well after us mm-hmm. so we're just happy to exist kind of in this sea of really great time in comics and we're able to not only pay the artists who contribute to the book but really just like praise them for their ingenuity and their creativity and lending us those voices for the book and, and I wanted to ask you about your experience as an editor, especially for anthologies, because um, two years ago, I think you and you and Safay were at Emerald City talking about uh, being, you know, uh, the creation of an anthology. You were there with, um, I think it was Kel, was it Kel McDonald? Yes, Kel McDonald was the uh, moderator. Yes, uh, and, and I was I was at that panel, and I was listening to, to what you guys were talking about. Um, not that I want you to recreate what you were saying. <laughs> If you could Don't just reach back it. two years. Back in time. <laughs> Gotta go back in time. Yes. <laughs> but uh, what has been your experience uh, working as an editor for a for you know at least three anthologies at this point? Uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I work with a, a pool of, I feel, some of the most awesome, amazing human beings. And not only does it show in the work that they put into the book, but just in general, like, the experience of dealing with these people. They're very humble and amazing. They're brilliant beyond their years in certain extents. So it's it's not like I have much to edit. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have um, more guidelines um, and style guiding towards the second beyond that the first did not have. I was not around for the original formation of that book. I was okay. actually a contributor who was selected out of all those emails, um, <laughs> who was just a person who was making a story for the book. Mm-hmm. And then as life happens, I ended up becoming an assistant editor for that book because it needed to be created and those voices needed to be heard and seen. So 
my experiences kind of vary from book to book. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Elements uh, that's kickstarting in July, I've, I've had nothing but a pleasure working on that amazing book. Like, getting to showcase with a bunch of people of color and, and artists of color and hearing and allowing their voices to be the clearest voice in the room has been just nothing but an honor. And I get to do it myself because I get to write a story uh, that is illustrated by Mildred Luis of Agents of the Realm. Oh, cool. <laughs> so we're doing hip-hop, uh, Greek-appropriated Parthenon. It'll be great. You'll Yay! love it. It's it's pretty much my love letter and my kind of like hate love letter to certain media that exists that curbs and cribs off of our culture mm-hmm. but doesn't actually do us any justice. Yeah. So I hope it's appreciated. Her style is amazing, mm-hmm. and we get this very beautiful Pantone 185U that will really bring the pages to life. Oh. So it's working in slight color, but not complete. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, like ever since I saw like the um, the open submission things for Elements and everything, I was like, why? Why am I white? <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> I, I only did that because I really felt like there was... At the time, a lot of, um, there was a lot of hard feelings towards creators of color really being ignored, and our stories suddenly now being told, but only by white creators, Mm -hmm. and only, and would only be, and like, it was like we were being told that we weren't allowed to talk in the room anymore. It was really awkward, and weird, and weird books were coming out, like Strange Fruit from Boom and stuff like that, and I was just like, you know what? I we're a little bit more imaginative than that, and we the only stories we have to tell are not slave stories, and are not these token stories that you want us to tell about, like our autobiographical life or somebody else's or whatever. You mean everything like, isn't like the legend of Bagger Vance? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So you know, I'm not really here to write Twelve Years a Slave for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Lupita, but, you know, and Chewie, but, you know, um, (laughs) I've got other worlds that I've been delving into since I was a kid, and I should have the same position, the same uh, time to Mm -hmm. put that story forward like everyone else has been given without it being put on this, like, uh, scrutinized stand of perfection. Like, it's it's like these, these kind of pressures have been put on us where we're not allowed to have fun. We have to get it right the first time or we're out of the club completely. Yeah. And those kind of feelings, that anger and that motivation to stop it from happening to other creators is what drove me to put the anthology together. No, and it's it, it's a brilliant idea and I'm so glad that you did. I mean, because... There, uh, as with Beyond and Beyond Two, the you know post-apocalyptic version. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these are these are uh, stories that you know people want to tell. Like everyone's got a weird story in them, or a fantasy yeah. story, or you know a dark horror noir. I don't know. Yeah. Like, no, and you're absolutely correct. And that is, and it all like nobody's ever going to just make the dark horror noir anthology. You might not be around to catch it. Mm-hmm. Um. The you know, books come and go. So you want to have something like, for instance, Elements is specfic. And I wanted to leave it specfic because I didn't want to just pigeonhole it in sci-fi or fantasy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make it open range because so many people have so many stories to tell. And there never seems to be enough books 
for it just for people of color. Yeah. No, and that's, uh, again, you're doing the Lord's work, Nika. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, what's spec fic? And I was like, whatever you want it to be. And do you ever run into that, like, if you put too broad of a category that people, like, almost panic? They're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you can definitely do that. Like, some people will get trapped in their own heads, mm-hmm. even having simple themes put out for them. They, they have too many ideas, and those ideas outweigh the output of their work ever actually materializing, mm-hmm. and they feel put upon, and I'm like, don't do that. Don't sabotage yourself. Just think of it, think of the theme, and then go for the simplest thing you can think of first. Mm-hmm. Start there, <laughs> and then branch out, then go bolder, then go bigger, then add these these conceptual, like, you know, attachments to the story. Mm. Like, first, just start with a character. Like, <laughs> how about there? That might help you. <laughs> a person helps, it's, you know, or a dog, cat, yeah, whatever. Or, or an animal or something. But, like, have a have a basis of beginning uh, for your story and then start writing around it. <laughs> Do you feel that as an editor, sometimes your job is much more to be, like, a therapist for the creative team at times? Absolutely! Um, <laughs> I'm an unpaid therapist. I'm okay. I bill, I can't bill by the hour, but I wish I could. Um, I have a lot of people who go through a lot of emotions. It, it varies depending on the project. And you know what? I love it because I feel like I have myself well enough together that I can give certain advice to people to tell them it's going to be okay. I've already ridden this rodeo, mm-hmm. so you're not doing anything that's going to break your bones. It's it's just a story, <laughs> um, but I am here for you to not only hold your hand, but also guide you in the right direction because nobody wants to see you fail. Everybody wants to see you succeed, so that's what I'm here for. Let's go there together because that's why I not only picked you, but why I believed in your story. And I, th- I think that's the, the, the best thing about, especially, you know, especially these types of anthologies as well. It's where it's like, no one wants you to fail. Like, no one's standing there except for, like, those jerks assholes. Um, it's like, the rest of us are like, no, no, we want you to do really good. Like, go do good things. That's what we want from, you know, we... It's it's like we don't want people to fall in their faces as much as, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos tells us that we do. Exactly, or Vine. Yeah. six seconds. Um... <laughs> Or Fail Army, every, yeah. every other big compilation. Um, Anything Fox News puts out. Um, yeah, oh my god. <laughs> utter fail. Exactly. It's like, we're, we're, the, the thing is that that's so great about the comic book community especially is that there is this great uh, grouping where we're just like, we want to support everybody. It's like, everyone deserves that chance. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's not necessarily always mainstream, but it's everyone, you know, kind of surrounding the mainstream, like the regular audience for the mainstream, where we're just kind of like, hey, have you got an interesting story? Great. Here's my money. <laughs> like, Pretty much. And it's like, I want to pay you to make this. And then, obviously, in my contract, it's only exclusive for one year. Mm-hmm. So then it's, hey, you got paid to make this. Now go print it. Go put it on as a PDF. Do whatever you want. Go make more money off of it. That is your prerogative because I'm not here to keep it. Yeah. It's like I'm not the hoarder of stories. Like that's uh, that's for for museums to do like one day. (laughs) But no, I mean, I I love just everything about that. And I'll be one of the first people to be kickstarting that thing for you. Yay! Yay. Yeah. And I will also want to like 
boldly shove in there Iron Spike, a.k.a. Yes. Charlie Spike Trotman. Mm-hmm. She is the one who kind of instituted that whole exclusivity clause of one year mm-hmm. and the rotation of getting paid and then having the access back to your story again so that these artists could sell them to other websites or print them and create them and or in some uh, cases make full comic series about them. Mm-hmm. No, and, and that's important because even in this industry, y'all got to eat. I mean... Exactly! <laughs> like... Um, but we are, we're at a little over an hour, but before, okay. uh, but we're not done yet because <laughs> I, I, I know, right? Uh, I really want to talk to you about Deja Brew for a second. Oh, okay. Cause I saw the, I see the, the little bumper artwork and everything. Um, I, previously, uh, Steve Sunu was on the podcast okay. and he was talking about Stila and everything, but, uh, I was just wondering if you can say anything about Deja Brew and, and what's coming down the pipe. Gosh, I really don't know, and I didn't check with Steve first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Steve, well, well, I don't have to check with Steve. Like, I can talk about things. Like, obviously, it's mm-hmm. already out and about um, as far as the fact that I have a project with Sela. It's just they're, they're, they're not mums the word on things, but mm-hmm. I like to go over things with him before, like, just being like, oh, it's just really... So I'm just going to say what's kind of on the postcard. Okay. Uh, there's this magical world. <laughs> it's not heaven or hell. It's mm-hmm. not limbo or, or anything in between. It's its own city. And in this city, there is kind of a, a, a magical barista who slings serenity in a cup. Mm. And he delivers it to what you might consider gods. And oh. it's a cafe at the end of eternity. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that already sounds awesome. <laughs> and he might have a demon boyfriend. What? Oh, and and it's really cool. Um, I've got a really great story that I got to put together with uh, Sarah Duvall. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is my artist and amazing, amazing person, leagues above me, who, <laughs> who loves my silly, sappy characters and is putting them to life mm-hmm. and pretty much... The story will revolve in, I think, five chapters, five Stila chapters, so five weeks worth of story, Mm -hmm. and it'll be delivered weekly, and it will uh, revolve around this cafe called the Bijou, Uh and it will tell the story of Tobias, who's the main character, and kind of like his ongoings working in this kind of cafe that serves only gods. That still sounds so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm really excited about it because Sarah has been just knocking the art out of the park. And also, my letterer for Love and Sprockets is also the letterer for Deja Brew Mm -hmm. because I love working with women of color. So, Sarah Duvall, (laughs) woman of color. Melanie Ujimura, woman of color. um, All in together on that story. No, that's awesome. Like, you're you're awesome. I <laughs> <laughs> I like getting people paid. That's that's kind of like my goal in life. Mm-hmm. I I can take a slew. I can take slight sacrifices to my paycheck. Um, if it's gonna bump my artist pay, that's really great. And working with Stila, I have I've not had to sacrifice anything, mm-hmm. um, my pay or their pay, to make sure that not only do they make a bombastic wage, but they also <laughs> have a very good time. Uh, working with me throughout the story. We're actually uh, wrapping up uh, Chapter 4 right now, so we should be heading into Chapter 5 next, and that'll be it. That'll, like, complete us. 
and I believe we go live in July. Okay, cool. Put that on your calendars, everybody. July. <laughs> I'll be making a ton of tweets about it, um, as usual. Mm. I tweet way too much sometimes, but uh, <laughs> I'll be making a ton of tweets about it, and uh, hopefully, it'll it'll garner some interest. It's been a very unique and kind of soulful experience for me mm-hmm. because I find that um, black boys are not usually portrayed in magical realm settings, mm-hmm. which is kind of a reason why I wrote this. Um, I felt that there was a lack of young black men being able to be magical and to have as much fun as girls get to have Mm -hmm. in certain magical settings Um, and being able to experience and kind of display their own type of charactership in the story. I've had a lot of brothers, so for me, that absence means even more Mm -hmm. when they're not just regular, like, boondocks characters and stuff like that yeah i want to see more like static shock like back in the day oh i love static (laughs) so it's like that that really kind of like guided my hand while i was going through this series and then i i really have a, a deep connection with what i feel is you know what is beyond death Ooh, that really always guides me and fuels me if you know, our bodies are made of energy and our souls are kind of as well. Where does that energy go afterwards? Mm. You know, maybe there's like a, a subculture that collects it and uses it as energy for their own livelihoods. What? This sounds like an interesting story that I would like to purchase from some kind of digital platform. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of those things that really inspire and keep me creative and motivated mm-hmm. uh, so that I keep telling stories like this. And, well, I can't. I can't wait to read it. I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't get here fast enough. It better be July soon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Tanika Stotts, well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Samantha. You are super amazing. Aw, you too. Let's just do. Let's do the the mutual appreciation society. Okay. You, you're yeah, great. I really love you. Thank you very much. Oh my god, that's so awesome. Oh my god, you're a very person. Oh, you're so cool. You're so awesome. <laughs> But uh, for for other people who would like to know how awesome you are, uh, where can they go to find you online? You can find me on my Twitter, which is at Nika Neeks. I am very easy to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's two E's, Nika and Neeks. And then you can also find me on my actual website, which is TanikaStots.com. Uh, that is also linked to my Twitter and my email if you need to get in contact with me for any personal questions. Huzzah! Uh, yes, and the usual deets for the show, uh, it is at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y on Twitter. Uh, you can also go to maniacalgeek.com for uh, eventually I will write another article. It's been a while. <laughs> That's what happens when you travel to Dallas. <laughs> like yeah, you, you don't Dallas write. Yeah, no, right. It's a sinkhole where your creativity <laughs> dies. <laughs> That's not true. Dallas is a very lovely city. Um, <laughs> I'm being sponsored by Dallas. Uh, <laughs> paid and sponsored by Dallas. Uh, <laughs> you can go to Maniacal Geek. You can also go on Facebook at Maniacal Geek and that curl that girl with the curls. It is a shared community, as well as on iTunes, where you'll find all the wonderful episodes, including eventually this one with uh, Tanika Stotts. Uh, but again, Tanika, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so great, and uh, I look forward to future conversations yes. and mutual appreciation once again. <laughs> you have my Skype. Feel free to 
always contact me. Yay! Uh, and as always, for that, uh, what, what's my show again? That Girl with the Curls. There we go. <laughs> Girl with the Curls. Jet lag. Dallas. <laughs> that, now it's just becoming my enemy. It's going to be Dallas. Uh, for the Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls. Good night, everybody. Bye.